Welcome to Season 1 of the Café Nervosa Podcast. I'm Taryn. And I'm Lauren. We're two ladies who have a deep and abiding appreciation for the 1990s NBC sitcom Frasier. In this podcast, we're going through the show season by season, and we're talking about specific topics as we go. You can find all Season 1 episodes in the feed right now. Along the way, we'll share some of our favorite moments, great jokes, guest stars we love, character moments that last, and other Frasier-related fun. In this episode, we're talking about the writing of this great show. And for season one, that means we're going to talk about Frasier as a spinoff of Cheers, joke construction, television episode structure, please don't leave, and how you write a lovable character. So order a Stoli Gibson on the rocks with three pearl onions, and if they bring you two, if they bring you four, send it back, and then lounge in your Eames classic as we talk about season one of Frasier. I could go for a Stolly Gibson. I think so. I, I think I could too. Taryn, tell me about an episode of Frasier that you love. Well, I'm going to start right at the beginning and touch on the pilot episode, which is entitled The Good Son, in which Martin moves in with Frasier and Frasier begins to settle into his new life in Seattle. The writing is really tight in this episode because we are introduced to all of our major players and get a good understanding of who they are in this world and how we're supposed to feel about them. On top of all of that, it's just a really good episode in and of itself, and it has a good storyline. It also uses the fact that it's a spinoff in a really smart way with this opening monologue. Let me see if I can cut to the chase by using myself as an example. Six months ago, I was living in Boston. My wife had left me, which was very painful. Then she came back to me, which was excruciating. (laughs) On top of that, my practice had grown stagnant, and my social life consisted of hanging around a bar night after night. (laughs) You see, I was clinging to a life that wasn't working anymore, and I knew I had to do something, anything. So I ended the marriage once and for all, packed up my things, and moved back here to my hometown of Seattle. Go Seahawks! (laughs) Um, It's hilarious to hear him rooting for a sports team. It's great. (laughs) You're right, that completely sets up the episode and the series, but in a tight way and with good jokes in there too. And it helps because the format is a radio show, so he can talk. Like, a lot of shows don't have that benefit, but they use it so well here. Absolutely. A lot of pilots aren't wonderful snapshots of what the show is going to be because they're made long before like episode two is even conceived. But in Frasier, we get an episode that creates this whole world and gives us a really good story with solid jokes. It's a really impressive feat. It totally is. And that pilot holds up. It's 
well written. It's it moves briskly. You meet all the characters, but it doesn't feel like we got to get through this before we get to the fun stuff. I yeah, I agree. What is something you'd like to discuss, Lauren? This is where I'll ask the listeners to bear with me because I'm going to talk about joke construction. Uh, And I admit there's nothing less funny than talking about why a joke is funny. In episode eight, the one called Beloved Infidel, um, this is where Niles and Frazier think that Martin had an affair years before. Um, So they're sitting down at a restaurant that Martin and his date lady are also at. And as they sit down, um, Niles talks about being nervous about where he's parked. He parked in some sort of customer-only parking lot. Here's a clip of that. Are you sure it was all right to park in that lot across the street? The sign said it was just for customers of those stores. I don't want to get a ticket. Oh, that's fine, Niles. I mean, I could just <clears throat> nip back to Crabtree and Evelyn and buy a bar of lavender soap. Just to be sit down, Niles. Sit down. Lavender soap. For God's sakes, you're a man. You'd look ridiculous. Make it your drink? Fuzzy navel blended nice and frothy. <laughs> And, uh, martini, nice? Uh, no, thanks, I'm driving. Maybe I'll buy a bag of potpourri or a set of hand towels. Just sit down. That's the setup of the scene, um, and then it continues, and the narrative business of the episode keeps going, so Fraser and Niles find out that Martin's on this sort of secret date, and the scene ends with the reveal that Niles' car is being towed. It's been long enough for us in the episode that we've probably forgotten about the car, and the joke really lands along with David Hyde Pierce's adorably exasperated reaction to it, which you can find on our Instagram feed. He's so cute. He's amazing, and I think the writers also knew exactly how to write good comedy for the actors they had, particularly David Hyde Pierce. A scene like that could be a real clunker in the hands of a less, um, in the hands of a less talented actor. Absolutely. And I mean, this is the eighth episode of the series. So the fact that they are writing to his strengths that early is a great sign for what we know is to come. Yes, 100%. So in a sort of related note, I wanted to talk about episode 15, You Can't Tell a Crook by His Cover, because it's a masterclass on how the writers turned a blowhard into a lovable or maybe tolerable, depending on your opinions on Kelsey Grammer, buffoon. So this is the episode where Martin bets Frazier that he can't figure out which of his three poker buddies is an ex-con. So when it's time for Frazier to come to his conclusion, he is his usual egotistical, analytical, and arrogant self, but he guesses completely wrong and guesses the two non-criminals. But he does so with such confidence and bravado that you can't help but laugh and enjoy the spectacle that he's created for himself. So I have a clip of that scene. Well, I guess there's only one thing left. How about it, Frage? You figure it out yet? Actually, I believe I have. Shall we step into the drawing room? (laughs) Please have a seat. Okay, Sherlock. You got center stage. Well, I have sketched an accurate psychological profile of each one of you. And in so doing, I have come to the incontrovertible conclusion that the criminal among us can only be... Frank! Wrong. Frank's a highly decorated undercover cop. Exactly! (laughs) Just a little too obvious, you know. The broken vocabulary, jailhouse powder, the underdeveloped social skills. Hey. (laughs) So, you tried to use psychology against me, did you? Threw a gender bender at me. 
thinking that I would just assume that a felon would naturally be a man. Well, I'm on to your little game, mister. The criminal among us is indeed the very wily Linda. Nope. Jimmy! <laughs> You're right. Jimmy, Jimmy, I, you seem like such a nice guy. I am a nice guy. I was voted most congenial in a cell block. Ah, oh, that's a great one. It's really funny. <laughs> He's such a blowhard, but you're just like, oh, you. Yeah, and that does come down to the writing. He's undercut by his own grandiosity. Yeah, it's so impressive how the writers and Grammar himself are able to make this unlikable person so lovable. What else would you like to talk about, Lauren? I think another good example of the show firing on all cylinders early in the series comes in episode 21, Travels with Martin. So this is the one where the Cranes and Daphne take a road trip and end up going into Canada, which causes immigration issues for Daphne. I think of this episode as one of the real classics of the show, and I was surprised to see it so early in the series. I was as well. The, this episode is what television writers and critics would call a bottle episode, which is where your characters are stuck together in one place for the, for the duration of the story, and they just kind of bounce off each other. So to achieve a bottle episode that works, uh, you have to be sure that your characters are well-developed enough that the actions they take mean something to the audience and that we have certain expectations around how they'll behave. Um, and to do that in a first season is impressive, and to do it with this many laughs, I think, is also really impressive. That's a excellent explanation of a bottle episode, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. And you're absolutely right. They, it's a very lofty goal they're aiming for, and they, and they achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly here, they kind of play up the relationship between Martin and his sons, which is the frame, in some ways, of the series that... He's reconnecting with Martin and also with Niles, and they're making their little family back together after uh, Fraser's been living away and since their mother has passed away. Um, so here's a clip of Martin and his sons in a Winnebago. I gotta say, I was pretty anxious, but I'm starting to like this free spirit stuff. Dad, Dad, look, there's an historical marker up ahead. Let's stop. Let's go see it, huh? Just drive him wherever you feel like it. It's educational, Dad. There, 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 there. What did it say? I have no idea. The only word I saw was legendary. Oh, oh look, a roadside stand. Fresh fruit, homemade apple cider. Oh, that's good. Dad, 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 Dad. Well, Dad, you seem to be missing the freewheeling concept. We're supposed to go where the wind blows us, for God's sake. It's blowing? We're going. Oh. Why are you moaning? Oh. What is this obsession you have with covering a certain distance? It's just the way I relax. Say, what? I got my kids in the car! <laughs> So we also have a picture of this in our Instagram feed at Cafe Nervosa Pod. Niles is hilariously wearing like a backwards baseball hat that he sort of makes a big deal about putting on at one time. It's kind of like Chekhov's baseball hat, I think, mm -hmm. in that he puts it on and you're like, what? what's the payoff of this hat? Because the later seasons, Niles would never wear a hat, even if he goes to a sporting event. The The setup of that and the rekindling of their father-son's relationship 
underlines the joke that these men are being made to feel like little kids again by going on a road trip with their dad. And it's just lovely. And Martin is such a great dad to them. And I say dad, not father, because he, he's goofy and and does always treat his kids like his dumb kids mm-hmm. and that he loves them. And it does really come through in this. They're like great dynamic that both has and has not changed over the years. Totally. So as we continue to think about the writing in season one, um, fans of the series will know that there are sort of puns and jokes built into it through the title cards, which are the black cards that show up between scenes and in the episode titles. Taryn, you had some thoughts on the title cards. I do. And the title cards are used so well in the show. They're sometimes used to foreshadow something that's going to happen in the next scene or explain what boon means (laughs) in one of my personal favorites later in the series. Um, They might reference a play, a movie, or a book, and they sometimes just make a great pun or a joke. The writing staff employ them very strategically and very well, I'd say, top to bottom through the series. Awesome. Do you have some examples? I sure do. So in the episode Call Me Irresponsible, where Frasier is, uh, he has a relationship with a woman named Catherine, and so a title card in that episode is Kiss Me Kate, which is a musical reference. In the episode Here's Looking at You, where Martin is having a long-distance telescopic relationship, uh, there are the title cards A Room with a View and (laughs) Getting to Know You, both literary and musical, respectively. Uh Um, One of my favorites from season one is The Return of the Magnificent Sternin, (laughs) a reference to the The Return of the Magnificent Seven in the show where Lilith comes back. In You Can't Tell a Crook by His Cover, there's Pick a Con, Any Con. Uh-huh. Another solid. Solid. And in the episode Can't Buy Me Love, where there's a bachelor auction, uh, there is the title card Driving Miss Daphne, which <laughs> I approve. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Lauren, you had some thoughts on the episode titles. Yeah, I picked out just a few that made me chuckle, and that's all a pun is good for is a chuckle. One of the ones I like is You Can't Tell a Crook by His Cover. There's one called Give Him the Chair, which is really funny. <laughs> it's a solid, just little joke. Uh-huh. Uh, and The Whimper Is is the CB's episode, and they lose. It's mm. great. Uh, Miracle on 3rd or 4th Street, um, a reference to the Christmas classic. And the one that Taryn also mentioned, Can't Buy Me Love. Just great little titles and jokes. The writers really thought of everything. I find the attention they paid to those small moments very impressive because they're, they work as Easter eggs for the viewer who loves the show and who 30 years later are doing a podcast about it. Uh, this show was written in a time where people weren't re-watching the way we do now and certainly not dissecting pop culture in this way. So it just sort of exists to add texture to the show that you may or may not catch on a first viewing. And I really appreciate that. It's very, it was almost forward thinking. Like they were like, people are going to revisit this. They knew they were writing something great. And they're like, we're going to put everything we possibly can into this. Yeah, they're going all in. Mm Mm-hmm.
Our next segment is called 90s Nonsense, where we discuss the aspects of the show that have not aged that well. And little reminder, it has been 25 years since the show premiered, and a lot has changed. What nonsensey part do you want to talk about, Taryn? I'm going to talk about a moment in a clip we played earlier that is a joke about masculinity and possibly sexuality. It's in the episode uh, Beloved Infidel, episode 8, and... As we heard earlier, Frazier chastises Niles for wanting to buy something. And, and specifically, he says he would look ridiculous buying lavender hand soap. And then immediately orders a fuzzy navel blended nice and frothy. And that comes to huge laughs. Not great. Not solid. What nonsense are you bringing to the table? So... In watching this season of Frasier, the thing that kept coming up for me is how the show struggles to write female characters. And in our full episode on women, we touched on a few of these issues, but there are more of them. There's one particular early interaction that happens after Frasier. He has sort of begrudgingly hired Daphne to be their home health care worker slash maid. I don't know. Not super. <laughs> um, and Niles meets her for the first first time. And so you'll recall too that in the early seasons, Daphne is given sort of psychic abilities that they're actually demonstrated. She has some psychic abilities in this world, um, but they're also dismissed by specifically Fraser. Niles kind of plays along with it because he's romantically interested in Daphne, but Fraser dismisses her powers as they are. Um, and in the third episode, after Niles meets Daphne and she has a psychic vision, he says, Fraser says about her, while she's in the room, she's psychic, we've decided to find it charming. And it's just not a good moment. So condescending. So condescending. And yeah, this man gets to determine whether or not the things that Daphne say have any truth to them, if she has value in the room. It just really irritates me. Yuck. And switching back to the things we we love about this show, uh, this is the time when we recommend an episode uh, for you to watch. Lauren, what is your pick? My pick is episode 21, Travels with Martin. It's just such a great episode for writing. I, I talked a little bit about the character work that was happening in it, but there's a whole plot around Daphne's green card and her finding out that she's been driven to Canada against her will. Uh, and it pays off in a big way. Definitely check out that episode. For sure. It's hilarious and great. It is. Yeah. Taryn, what is your pick? I'm going to recommend the pilot uh, because this is such a stellar example of a pilot when they're so often not great. Um, but we're so lucky to get one that feels like the rest of the show and and just sets up the show in such a great way. Great recommendation. Thanks for listening to Cafe Nervosa. Check out our other episodes for this season of the podcast. They're in our feed on iTunes and Google Play and on our website at cafenervosapodcast.com. Also, you should go right now and follow us on Instagram at Cafe Nervosa Pod. We're incredibly proud of that feed and we think it's definitely worth your time. 
Please also help us spread the word by telling the Niles to your Fraser, the Daphne to your Martin about Cafe Nervosa. We like to end every episode with clips of our favorite jokes from the season based on our theme. Taryn, what do you have for us? I'm leaving us with a clip from episode 10 called the episode's called Oops and this is where uh, Father Mike has filled in for Bulldog on his sports show. God, you need this weather. Oh, Fraser, I'm glad you're home. What happened to Bulldogs? Who told you? Nobody told me anything. I turned into the Gonzo sports show today like I always do and they had Father Mike fill it in. I hate that. All it was was Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Lauren, what do you have for us? My pick is uh, one of the callers into Fraser's show. Um, and it's a woman who is hiding from her in-laws. And here's that clip. We have Pam on line four. She's having a problem with her family. Hello, Pam. This is Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. Hi, it's my in-laws. It's just that, well, they drop over all the time without calling first, and they expect us to stop what we're doing and entertain them. Well, they're your husband's parents. What does he suggest? The other day, he had us drop to the floor and stay quiet until they drove away. <laughs> A creative approach, but hardly a long-term solution. Well, I, I thought about saying something, but I'm afraid I'll hurt their feelings. Well, then you have a choice. Either you risk hurting their feelings or you spend the rest of your life diving for cover whenever they happen to (laughs) drop on by. Shh. They're here. Your your in-laws? Shh. Yes. Well, then why don't you just take this opportunity to... Oh, for Pete's sake. Why don't you just tell them how you feel? Okay, okay, I will. Next time, I promise. Thanks, Dr. Crane. (laughs) 